My friend, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went with Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went to the tomb. The two were running together, but the, the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes, but Mary Magdalene stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had said that he had said these things to her. The Gospel of the Lord. For the past couple of weeks now, many people have been asking me and those of us working in our parish how big of a challenge it is to prepare for Easter this year as it was for last year since the beginning of the pandemic. The uncertainties of restrictions and protocols in place and mass time registrations and changes along the way can certainly be challenging. But as we began reflecting to the, on this question as people kept asking it, Every Easter is a challenge. Every Easter is a challenge for the following reason. Because we have the task in our own day and time to experience in an hour or so in our liturgical celebrations and in times of prayer, the very biggest miracle 
and fact of human history that has ever taken place, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And for us to really experience what that means, for that to really sink in and transform our lives so we can experience that new hope and new life from Christ, and for me to be able to share with it in a few words in a homily on Easter Sunday Mass is the biggest challenge ever, more so than anything other that can be thrown at us in these last couple of Easter celebrations. But I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit somehow that this Easter can be different for those of us here in person and those joining us online, that we can experience really the power of new life found in Jesus Christ. That the power of his resurrection that raised him from the dead into this new existence of everlasting life can be experienced in our own hearts, in our own lives as well. We can turn to Mary Magdalene to help us with this, I think. I think we can resonate a lot with what she was feeling and going through. Keep in mind, she was with Jesus right to the bitter end at the foot of the cross with a handful of other women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and John, the beloved disciple. And she must have been exhausted at this point. Her hopes dashed, tired by kind of setting things out and moving forward and then stepping back again, disillusioned, disappointment, and fully afraid as well. That's why she goes to the tomb while it's still dark. And yet, she experiences the light of Christ. In her fatigue, in her tiredness, in her discouragement, it's almost as if nothing except for the risen Lord can awake her out of this numb feeling that she has of the routine and the grind that is getting the best of her. Not even two angels who appear in the tomb shake her out of this. Usually when you meet an angel in the Bible, you get really afraid and you respond quickly, one way or another. But here the angels say to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she just responds as if they're an ordinary bystander. Not even an angelic visitation can shake Mary Magdalene out of this disillusionment and hopelessness that she's feeling. Even Jesus, when he comes on the scene, she doesn't recognize him at first, supposing him to be the gardener. But then as all of us come to faith, faith comes through hearing, hearing new life proclaimed to us. And when Jesus says her name, Mary, it's as if her heart is reopened, courage, hope is renewed, and she's able now to be emboldened in her mission as a follower of Christ. She's able to then go and head out to the other apostles and tell them the good news that Jesus has risen from the dead. It's really incredible that God placed the entire message and reality and historical fact of the resurrection into the hands of three women, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome, are the three women at different points who experienced Christ risen from the dead. And at that time, only men were official witnesses in a court of law or in society at the time. And yet here are three women entrusted with this new life and risen Jesus in their lives, and they are the ones to go bring it to the disciples, grant them the courage they need, and pass it along the way. These are many of the proofs that show us that Easter Sunday is just not a theory. It's just not a nice story to recall and remember. It's a historical truth. Because if this was something to be made up, we would have done a lot better job with the storytelling here in the scriptures. All four Gospels, if you spend time with them, are fuzzy on the details of this. Because it's something so completely new 
and unheard of. Nobody has experienced anybody rising from the dead. And just like in any new event that would happen in our time and age as well, if each and every one of us experienced something brand new that never was experienced in this world ever before, we would be fuzzy on the details as well. All of us would have a different angle and perspective on it. The core main storyline would be the same, but each of us from our own personal vantage point and perspective would have differences in the way in which it impacted us. And each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, do the same. They're all the same on the basic events that had happened. The empty tomb, the angels, the message that Jesus has risen, and entrusting it to those three women who then bring it to the apostles, and from there it spreads. But the other kind of details along the way, the linen wrappings, who got there first, everybody's sharing it from their own point of view because it's impacted and transformed their lives completely. Mary Magdalene's emboldened as a disciple, Peter and John the same, and it continues to spread. The challenge of Easter continues from the very first Easter to now, and the challenge this year is bestowed upon you and me. The same message, the same new life is entrusted to us, and we're called to share it with others. And so I kind of make out a, a little plea here to parents in a special way this Easter. The Jewish Easter, the Passover, was really handed on generation to generation through the family. Parents would share the story of how the people of Israel were freed from Egypt and slavery through Moses and God's mighty hand. And it was the mother and the father around the dinner table that would ensure that the children heard that message over and over again to give them the hope and the life that they need as well. The same goes for us as Catholic Christians in our day. And so parents around the dinner table in your households this evening to share the Easter story, maybe even reread some of the resurrection passages of the Gospels. They're easy to find. They're at the end of every Gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just head to the last couple of chapters, and they're all right there. And have the kids ask questions and answer to the best of our abilities, guided by the Holy Spirit. It can really end up changing families' lives and the hearts of each and every one of us. We relive Easter at every Mass. That just as the disciples had difficulty recognizing Jesus in his risen body, and Jesus tells Mary Magdalene not to hold on to him because he's going to have a new body for us to hold on to, a new body that will be present in the Eucharist in his body and blood. That's the one we're called to hold on to in our sacramental life and faith as people in our day and age. Take, this is my body. Take, this is my blood given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And as we remember that first Easter today, may it be the reality of an Easter in our own life as well, and that the risen Jesus can really come and remove any of the darkness of fear, of doubt, of despair in our hearts, and grant us the new life that he has promised. Alleluia. There's one thing that I can say that I had the privilege of doing is I've actually been to Jerusalem and I was in the tomb where Jesus laid. And in fact, I got the opportunity to be in that tomb for about 45 seconds all by myself. And it is indeed one of those places that you never forget. There is an ancient legend 
that illustrates the power of Christ's death and resurrection. The legend goes about a monk who discovered the crown of thorns that had been pressed on Jesus' head at his crucifixion. And it was covered with blood. And it was a horrific sight. The monk took it with great care and reverence, and he placed it on the side altar of a church. The people came by, glanced at it, and then turned away because it reminded them of the ugliness and the cruelty of sin, their own sins. The crown of thorns remained there until Easter morning, when the monk, with sunrise, made his way into the church. He thought that the bloody reminder of Jesus' passion would be out of place and that he should remove it. Well, as he approached the altar, he detected a strange but powerful fragrance. And the sun was so bright coming through the windows that at first he could not tell what had happened. The sun had centered and focused its rays on the sharp thorns of the crown of thorns. And from them emerged, from these thorns, emerged roses of incredible beauty and the most pleasing and powerful fragrance. That little story captures something of the transformative power of Easter. Amen? Amen. It's as transformative and as powerful as what God wants to do for us, what Jesus wants to do for us. Because it is Jesus who wants to remove the, to the stone from the tomb, to remove the stone that blocks in the tomb of our lives. Some of us may have, by bad decisions or experiences that we have had to deal with and confront, we may feel as if our life is in a tomb, whether it's because of an addiction or depression or whatever we're going through, a difficult marriage, uh, we've lost our job, whatever it is, we may feel like we are locked in that tomb. And what the transformative power of the resurrection can do for us is that that stone can be moved away. Any boulder, any obstacle can be moved away and we can be freed. We can be transformed. So as we heard in these readings, Jesus' resurrection changes 
the shame of sin into the beauty of forgiveness and the paralysis of despair into vibrant, enduring hope. There was a man who had a remarkable journey from despair to hope. And he's a famous actor and producer by the name of Mel Gibson. And he didn't have a perfect life, at least from what we come to know. But if anyone were looking from the outside and from a very limited perspective, they would probably seem like he had very little to complain about. His successful acting career had made him millions of dollars. Still, yet, thousands of fans still adored him and hung on his very words. He had a very nice family, but nevertheless, he felt empty. He felt despair. He felt miserable. So he approached his father. Yet, like many men, they did not want to talk directly about their own feelings and what they were experiencing. So he asked his father, Father, do you think there is any situation without hope? His father responded without hesitation, no, Jesus Christ has died for us and he has risen from the dead. In this life, there can be no situation beyond hope. From that point, Mel Gibson began to investigate his Catholic faith, the faith in which he had been raised. Eventually, he produced a film, a film that will still is historic and will last for centuries, called The Passion of the Christ. It was a testimony of that faith and that hope, that vibrant, enduring hope. On Easter Sunday, Jesus invites us to renew our faith, to deepen it, to revive it if it has grown, grown dull, and to have a renewed hope, a vibrant, enduring hope in the person of Jesus and what he did, his passion, death, and resurrection. For numbers and great numbers of people throughout the world, Easter is the climax to a very long journey in their life. There are thousands upon thousands throughout the world who celebrated last night and even today baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist. They became people of God, resurrected people, still yet, Many other people this Lent, not like, unlike you and I, have been through a process of renewal. Renewal which involved prayer, confession of our sins, and sacrifice. 
I want to, there's a young girl, college-age girl, who shared about her Lenten penance with her priest. And I want to share it with you because, again, it illustrates the power, the transformative power of Easter and the resurrection. This young girl for Lent, she gave up bread. Now, that might not seem like to us much of a sacrifice, yet it was her favorite food. And unless one has given it up, we don't realize how much a part of our everyday diet it is a part of. Well, after 40 plus days of Lent, she hungered, I mean hungered, for bread. So, on early on Easter morning, she took a loaf and placed it into the oven. And then she waited. Once it was done, she pulled it out and she cut herself a slice of the warm bread. No butter, no jam, no other topping. For her, it was the most delicious meal. Well, probably some of you are thinking now more about that warm slice of bread, and most of you will not hear anything more that I'm about to say. Amen? Amen. Okay. Goodbye. Good night. <laughs> but yet the point here is a simple one. She had offered a sacrifice for Jesus. And, on even, and even on a very human level, she experienced something of incredible joy. The incredible joy and transformative joy of Easter. It is a beautiful thing to have prepared and sacrificed for this day. Nevertheless, today, I want to let you in on a secret. Even if you have done nothing to prepare for Easter, Jesus wants to share with that joy with you this day. A fourth century Christian said it better than I could. I would like to share with you and quote from the Easter sermon of St. John Christodom. Are there any weary with fasting? Let them now receive their wages. If any have toiled from the first hour, let them receive their due reward. If any have come after the third hour, let him with gratitude join in the feast. And he that arrived after the sixth hour, let him not doubt, for he too shall sustain no loss. And if any delayed until the ninth hour, let him not hesitate, but let him come too. And he who arrived only at the eleventh hour, 
Let him not be afraid by reason of his delay. For the Lord is gracious and receives the last, even as the first. He gives rest to him that comes at the eleventh hour, as well to him that toiled from the first. To this one he gives, and upon another he bestows. He accepts the works as he greets the endeavor. The deed he honors, and the intention he commends. Let us all enter into the joy of the Lord. First and last alike, receive your reward. Rich and poor, rejoice together. Sober and slothful, celebrate the day. You have kept the fast, and you that have not, rejoice today, for the table is richly laden. God wants to share with each one of you in your lives, beginning now, that transformative power of the resurrection, the transformative power of Easter, just like that crown of thorns that was incredibly transformed with beautiful, fragrant roses, or removing that large, cumbersome, burdensome stone from the mouth of the tomb. He wants to do all that and so much more. And we serve a God of miracles. We serve a God who can do the impossible. My sisters and brothers, let us allow him. Let us lean in to that empty tomb. Let us lean in to the transformative power of the resurrection. And let us be overwhelmed by what God can do. Amen? Joy is something that is truly offered in abundance to us as Christ's followers when we turn our eyes to him. St. Philip Neri is a good example of this. He was a 16th century priest from Italy who was known as the saint of joy and the humorous saint. He was renowned as a wonderful pastor and a mystic, but he had fun doing everything he could to prevent good opinions that people had of him. He was known to show up at church events wearing large white shoes or clothes inside out with, his, with half of his beard shaved. He offered the wrong walking directions to parishioners and would read from a book of jokes to lighten up the mood at important meetings. He was a priest who I'm sure would have appreciated Father Patrick's Friday funnies. One time when a very serious and stoic bishop attended mass at St. Philip's Parish, he made sure to intentionally mispronounce important words throughout his entire homily. Those who were in the church congregation, they weren't sure whether to laugh or to stay quiet. Of course, St. Philip didn't do these things to be disrespectful. He did them to remind himself of his own shortcomings and keep his pride in check. His life can be summed up in a quote he once shared, a heart filled with joy is more easily made perfect 
than one that is sad. In today's Gospel, we hear about Mary Magdalene approaching the tomb just before dawn, while it was still dark out. After witnessing the stone rolled away, she sought out Simon Peter and the beloved disciple, who themselves were filled with sorrow, hiding in the upper room after witnessing Jesus' death on the cross. They didn't fully understand what Jesus meant when he told them that suffering is the path to being with him and only recalled his promise of glory. In the next scene, Mary was at her lowest, not knowing where the body of Jesus had been taken, but a brilliant light drew her out of darkness, so brilliant that at first she didn't recognize him, kind of like our own eyes at night when suddenly someone turns on the light and our eyes need to readjust. Mary could then see her Lord. Her eyes were open and sadness lifted away. She was filled with joy. As we celebrate Easter, we too find our moment of joy as a church, our Alleluia. Jesus' resurrection shows us that love goes beyond sin and death. God's love is always stronger. His healing power is greater. In Jesus and in his resurrection, a new hope dawns for all humanity. The hope that if we stay united to him through faith and grace, we will rise with him and live with him forever in the Father's heavenly home. For this reason, throughout our Mass, we are urged to exalt, to rejoice and be glad, and to draw our lights to the light, our eyes to the light that is shown right here before us, with the new Easter candle that was lit last evening, a sign of his resurrection, which we have received at our baptisms, to guide us out of darkness. Our baptism, when we are instructed to keep Christ's light burning brightly, and the flame of faith alive in our hearts. Now, it hasn't been an easy year. Our current pandemic has brought a darkness over the land, which has made it difficult for us to see that light. The consequences have been dreadful for our physical, mental, and spiritual health. Funerals have been attended with only small numbers allowed. Important life events like weddings have been delayed. All the while, we've been following the appropriate protocols and steps to make sure that the virus or its variants don't spread, especially for the case of those who are most vulnerable. It has been a time that has brought much sorrow, and it will take much time to return to normal and perhaps even mend our, our relationships. But like Mary Magdalene, who did not recognize the light at first, we too can adjust our eyes. Through our faith, we can allow Jesus to heal us, to give us sight that is restored, so our hearts can burn brightly with joy. And that joy will be noticed. Especially during times of darkness, his light shines even more through us. Others will wonder what's happening over at Good Shepherd Parish that makes people joyful and longing to return for more. So let us go out and draw people in. Even through a simple gesture, like sharing our Mass on, on your Facebook page, or inviting a friend to one of our upcoming online small groups. 
And together, as Christ's disciples, we can bring light to our ever-changing world by inviting others to witness and see the unchanging presence of our God.